Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who have great personalities Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, welcome to Wood Talk number 302 for April 1st, 2016. Now, I don't know if uh, you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably know this, some of you may not, but April 1st is actually the anniversary of Wood Talk, and this year it is nine years, so we're just putting out an unscheduled, off-schedule, I guess you could call it, show. Uh, It's not going to be a very long one, but just a little bonus show that give you something extra to celebrate our nine years of uh, putting our voices into your ear holes. Yeah, we're very proud of ourselves. We are. Do you think nine years is really something that is like super special? I mean, myself, it's like nine years. When it rolled around for Samantha and I, I was like, hey, nine, you want to like go get a shake or something? Yeah, let's 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 go uh, order a pizza. Yeah, it's not really a remarkable uh, year, but it's, you know, the one before the big one, before the 10 years. So we at least acknowledge it. I think that's fair. Yeah, and it's two years past our seven-year itch, which is always an iffy one for a lot of couples. (laughs) Well, what, what is the nine-year anniversary gift? Because I didn't get you guys anything yet. So I think it's a lathe probably. pole or a pole lathe. A pole lathe, yeah, a pole definitely lathe. a pole lathe. I have one. I have a couple extra of those. We'll that take it work. then. We we okay. one each, please. Uh, but on today's show, we're going to talk about clamping out gaps, prepping old cabinets for new paint, and securing socket chisel handles. Uh, but we normally now would thank some folks who helped us out, and I don't have any new people to talk about, so. You know, thanks for that, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's only our anniversary, and <laughs> nobody's going to get us anything. Here we are giving you Apparently, a bonus not show. not only did I not get us anything, that you guys didn't get us anything either. Lame sauce. Now, seriously, though, we always appreciate the, the support when you guys do it. Uh, go to woodtalkshow.com. Look on the right-hand side. You'll see some links there for one-time uh, small recurring donations, one-time any amount that you want to do. Uh, is perfectly fine with us. We appreciate the support. And uh, I think we can get started on the show here. What's on the bench? I actually, again, you know, this is just the, the time of year for me. Things are really slow. I uh, had a vacation recently, so I was out of town. Uh, didn't do very much there. But I'll tell you what, this vacation, not only the vacation itself, but where we stayed turned out to be awesome. Uh, we went to Disneyland and stayed at the uh, Californian, uh, Disney Grand Californian, I think it's called. This hotel is like Southern California influence all over the place in terms of the woodworking and the furniture. It's uh, basically green and green. Uh, mission style, arts and crafts, like everywhere. It was just, I, I was I think someone had written me in the past and said, hey, if you ever have to go to Disneyland, try to stay at this place. Um, and I totally forgot about that. But I walked in, first thing I see on the way in, right in the door in the hallway is a, not just like green and green influence piece, a green and green copy uh, of a, a sort of hall table. That's, I, I can't remember which house it's from, but it's total green and green top to bottom. Right. So I'm like, that's interesting. And I walk in further. <laughs> so like the three days that we were there, I'm just looking for every time we walk through and just go to the the restaurant or whatever, or head out to the park. I'm just looking for all the little secret things. Like it's all over the place. The, the little lamps above the telephones for the public, the public phones, the timbers for the structure inside. Like there's just cloud lifts everywhere. Um, really, really awesome. So it was a really nice cherry on the Sunday of, uh, taking my kid to Disneyland had a really good time there. So it really was magical for everybody. Everybody got something from it. It truly was. Yes. And all that, like the numbers for the rooms, as you look for, you know, the range of numbers, the frame around that is like cloud lifts, ebony plugs. And just, I was really impressed, but you could see the influence uh, for being in Southern California. So very, very cool. Um, Definitely want to check it out if you're in the area and have the means and happen to be going to Disneyland. That's awesome. awesome. Now I have a, I think that's cool, but I have a different question. Uh, <laughs> Cause sure. obviously this is, you know, it's a higher end hotel. Any hotel in the Disney resorts are higher end. Yes. Did you have Amazon prime or Netflix access in your room? 
there was a DVD player that had those on it. And I like it took too long to load. And I just right. decided because the thing was, they also have Disney Junior. And that's pretty much all that my son cared to watch the entire time. Well, basically, you're in Disney. So if you turn to any channel that's not Disney, it counts down until it switches you back to <laughs> yeah, Disney. Yeah. Exactly. We, we got into this conversation because I, I myself was out of town and we was like, it's the first time we'd seen commercials in like more than a year because yeah. it's about how long ago we cut the cord. Sure. And we're like, oh, well, this is stupid. Let's just log into Netflix. And I was like, wait a minute. We can't do that. <laughs> and we got in this conversation about how long do you think before – I don't think the TV thing's ever going to go away, like cable. Yeah. Um, but how long before like Netflix gets a deal with Marriott or Embassy Suites? And maybe there is already, and that's what I'm wondering is, is does that exist already now that I've hijacked the show and turned yeah. it into a cord cutting right. show? Right. I was, I was curious to see if it would work, but I just didn't have enough time to dink around with it. Now, keep in mind, I also tend to travel with an Apple TV <laughs> just in case. Because okay. you never know. Kenny, Kenny doesn't approve. Kenny said, "No, oh, no Apple TV." He's a he's yeah. a Fire Roku, TV fan. Roku. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I had the Apple TV there just as backup in case we needed to, and with that, I can access my my, my home server. Whoa, Kenny! Oh, settle down. Sorry. He really does not like that Apple TV. Will no. you please stop saying it? Just use Roku as the code word. I think Kenny works for a cable company. That's the problem. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so yeah, I had the Apple TV there just in case. And then if I needed to, I could use the Wi-Fi. I don't know how well that would have worked, but it just didn't. It, we were just too busy. You know, sometimes I have these ideas in my head of what there we're going to There is gonna, that, yeah. yeah like like what we're going to need to do. But ultimately, your time in the hotel is, is pretty limited when you're there anyway. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, enough about cord cutting. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally took the show in a different direction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's I'd love to do a show like that, but uh, not today. Hmm. Imagine that nine years worth of tangentiness. Yeah. And it, it just yeah. keeps going on. No reason on. to change it now. Right. <laughs> all right, Matt, what's been going on? <laughs> well, as you guys know, I mean, we keep talking about this all the time with my travel and everything that's going on. Uh, I have once again been filling up my design notebook with some project ideas uh, for when I, I finally get when the day job, the new day job becomes the same old, same old, and I really start knocking out some projects. So I've got some things going on. But it's funny you mentioned the the, the whole thing with like traveling and, and looking at the the furniture in your surroundings because we just got back from Mexico and I was looking at a bunch of furniture there going, this looks a lot like the stuff I see when I'm traveling back in the States. That's really weird. <laughs> Why am I not getting like more regionalized furniture or something? Sure. You know, but that's that's really it's. Same thing. Like I've been, I've been harping on all these other episodes is just simply filling up the notebook. So lots of ideas, and a lot of them are kind of big and small. Like we've been redoing the kitchen, uh, and uh, Samantha's like, you know what you should do is you should build stuff for inside the drawers, like for the utensils, ah. so I don't have to pick it up at IKEA unless you want me to pick it up IKEA. And I'm like, that's not going to happen, woman. Uh, I would say just go to IKEA. Yeah, it actually, it's, I want to. Bamboo ones, out. it'll be fine. The things that she wants built are actually the the IKEA version. They're they're too big for our drawers. Ah, so got to go custom. Yeah. All right, yeah. So we're gonna have to go custom on that. But that's that's really what I've been doing more or less. Is like I said, just kind of going through that notebook and adding even more as I have been doing all along. So nice. Shannon, how about you? I see you're trying to you're trying to get groovy in the shop. Now I know you've got some mad dance skills because we saw the safety dance you know years oh, ago yeah. during oh, safety. Oh, yes, memories. Is that what you're working on still? No, uh, you guys know I've been kind of mired in web development and design trying to reboot the hand tool school and had kind of a 
major, major setback when my developer, even my developer got fed up with me and bailed on me. So I, um, I had one of those, like, I have got to walk away from this computer and get down to the shop. It's just, I, nothing's going to get done. You know, I've got to find a new developer and screw it. I'm going to go build stuff. So it's not that I haven't been in the shop. It's just, there's been very limited time down there. And it's kind of like, like I get down there. I was like, okay, what was I doing? Right. <laughs> what was yes. I working on? I mean, I've got like multiple projects in like progress and parts lying places and everything's labeled clearly. So, you know, you can go in and pick up where I left off. But when you add to the element of like filming stuff too, I was like, okay, did I film that? What didn't <laughs> I film? So then I ended up back upstairs in front of my computer looking at kind of my, my filming outline and script, if you will. Okay. Now I know where I am and I go back downstairs <laughs> I ended up spending like three hours basically just doing nothing. Well, I need to move this out of the way and move this out of the way. And it's like, I just got to get that groove back. You know, we've talked about that before where it's kind of like sometimes you just, whether life or whatever gets in the way, or maybe you just haven't had the burning desire to get in there. I've just been sidetracked by so many of the things that I just felt like almost out of my element. You yeah. know, I've, I've got to get the groove back, if you will. So it was a little, little frustrating weekend for me spending some time, finally getting some time to get into the shop and not getting anything done. Cause I was either cleaning up stuff that was in the way or just trying to remember where I left off. So yeah. eh, we well, you know what's really frustrating, frustrating. Fr- frustrating and irritating and kind of fearful because I've had a few of those scenarios recently uh, where since we were working on the kitchen and I needed to pull some tools out to work on a couple of things there, but then I would kind of walk away for a little bit and I come back and suddenly I'm like, who, who moved this tool? <laughs> Who's using this? Why is this here? Did we have somebody? And, you know, all these weird things start going through my head about uh, ghost in the shop or just <laughs> me losing my brains, basically. See, so I kind of feel that I know that feeling. Sometimes this is why I'm <clears throat> excuse me, really thankful for guild builds because I get in phases like that. I'm in that phase now as well where I go into the shop. I kind of putz around for a few minutes. Don't really get anything productive done. But the problem is I'm up against the wall. I've got a deadline. And at some point, I'm going to have to start cutting wood and there's no way around it. So if I didn't have that deadline, I think it'd be a lot harder to get started on things like this. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, believe yes. me, it's not that I don't have deadlines. <laughs> You're just being lazy. <laughs> now, it's it's one of those things where I found that over the years, I've had to become kind of hyper organized um, yeah. or you just you stuff gets forgotten or you you miss a shot. And, you know, one of the things that's about like woodworking videos is it's a little hard to like go back and film it again. <laughs> you know, if you just cut the dovetails and you forgot to film it, yeah, it's <laughs> kind of hard to do it again. And then you break out another board and cut the dovetails all over again. So I've gotten to be almost paranoid to some respect. And yeah. if I don't have like my organizational plan for what I'm building. And this is, this is mostly hand tool school builds we're talking about here. Um, the free stuff, uh, just whatever. Right, right, right. <laughs> this quality would have to be there. Let's face it. But I, I gotten to the point where I'm like paranoid. And unless I know exactly like what I filmed and what's next and kind of how it fits into the, the overall composition of the video, I, I get almost paralyzed. And yeah. that's, I think where I spent yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Not to drag this out too much more, but it's so funny, that whole thing about, like, would you break out another board to cut the uh, dovetails? If people pay really close attention to my videos, I can't speak for you guys, but occasionally if you pay really close attention to the wood grain and sometimes even the color, <laughs> somebody put in a, a different board. And, <laughs> Magically. And, and did something. Yeah, it's just – but I, I swear it's just the camera angles. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no, I've done that before. It, it happens. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> it's no fun. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Today's dovetail is being played by other dovetail. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right, let's move into what's new. Got a couple of links, the things that you guys actually shared with us this week. Uh, I'll take the first one here from Chris. He says, I had to share this with you. I found the video of a self-propelled mobile panel saw. Is this the next movement in woodworking? Automated tools. Uh, this actually is something that I... I remember putting up a quick article about this years ago when I first saw this and it wasn't as like clean of a video. It was like an older promotional video, but it's the Mafel. Is that how you pronounce that? Mafel? That's how I'm pronouncing Ma- it. So that works for yeah. me. Mafel? Mafel? Sounds, sounds like I'm pronouncing it wrong, but Mafel off the Mafel. table. Yes, it's Mafel. Uh, I hope this one doesn't fall off because it looks like it's m- expensive. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, basically think of uh, Festool's track saw. But like you have a Roomba attached to it, you know, like it just moves on its own Uh, and it really, where's it going to go? It's on a track. It's just something that actually kind of uh, propels itself. So you don't even have to touch it, which I think is really cool. But like I said, I posted that article years ago and this is actually only the, the, like after posting that article, this is probably the first time I'm seeing this thing again since then. And that was like over five years ago. So I don't know whether this just isn't something that caught on enough that people care or the price point is just way too high. Uh, well, it's or, only got 14, <clears throat> 15,000 views. So yeah. And, I, and that's the thing. I don't know. Is it just a novelty? I don't know the story behind it, but well, it is interesting. Published in, this was just published yeah, March right. 23rd, 2016. So. And someone's showing it off at a, like a convention, it looks like, or some yeah, kind of a show. So it's neat. It's, it's very cool. I don't think that, that this is a sign of where things are going, though. Right. Well, and it's I funny because what is I want to know that is different from like auto feeders and things like that. I mean, go into high end industrial machines. They all have power feeders. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it doesn't look all that different to me conceptually, but it just is a question of how much, what's it save you, you know, in terms of like doing that little four or five steps to make that cut. I don't, I don't know if it's ju- as justified. Well, that's we all lazy woodworkers. <laughs> Yeah. The, the, the setup alone up on this thing, it looks like, I mean, you've got to kind of clamp it in. You have to, it seems like you have to program in how long it's going to cut out because it says it can go up to 10 feet. Well, what if you have an eight foot panel that you want to do? It seems like you want to punch that in. Otherwise, it's going to go off the panel. I would imagine it's got to have some kind of a feed sensor, you know, yeah. to know when it's uh, under stress. And then once it's through the cut, it knows that it can stop. Uh, but it's it just, again, it's, it's, it's cool. It's impressive in, in the sense of what it does. I just like a power feeder. That makes sense. There are some tools that you need that or it's a repetitive mm-hmm. cut and you're just feeding stock through over and over. This is a tool that you bring to the wood, not the other way around. So where a power feeder kind of seems to make sense in some cases, this one, I just don't know that it's going to have the oomph that it would need to, to be like a really popular product. I am going to put it in the novelty only file for right now. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's fun to look at. Yep. Uh, who wants to grab the second one here from John? I'll do it. <clears throat> John sent this. It's a, uh, uh, what should I call it? What's that site called? YouTube. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, it's a YouTube channel a guy named Wood Kiefer. Um, apparently he's big on lumberjocks, but he has come up with a dovetail drill bit invention thingy and i've watched i've now watched this video twice while you guys were talking and um it's kind of cool uh i mean it, it it's it's a drill bit you know you put it in your drill press and it cuts the hole but it's got a flare on the bottom and there's a little um uh like flange almost that slides down that once the drill once the hole is drilled the flange slides down and actually cuts the hole into a dovetail shape um, so I imagine if you made, if you stacked a bunch of these holes one next to another, you could actually have like a sliding dovetail block. But other than that, I'm trying to figure out what you would use this for. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you could tell me. I, I didn't see right. the whole video, I mean, so I don't know. It, it, do you guys know what a foxtail wedge is? You know, uh-huh. that blind tenon that has a wedge? Yeah. It? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, you could use like a, a round 
tenon with a wedge in it. When you drove the tenon in and then the wedge went in, it flared it out. But, you know, uh, just a hole, a dovetail hole has very little application because you can't, <laughs> you can't flare it once it's inside the hole unless you've got that foxtail thing. Yeah. So I'm guessing, you know, this is one of those things where it's a way to cut a sliding dovetail socket, or I suppose you could cut, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm out of ideas. But it also leaves this weird kind of, um, you know, non-flat bottom to it because right. there's the, the, the Brad center point, point right? of the Brad point. It's got um, like a so, bell shape to it is what it really yeah. has. So it's not like something that you could leave exposed. So it's not like you could do, you know, drill it and then cut it and ta-da, you've got half-blind dovetails yeah. because you'd have that exposed thing. So it's obviously meant to be hidden. Um, he does say in the description that he's going to do uh, a project post with more information on how it's used. So I'm actually going – I'm going to subscribe to this because I want to see how he uses this. It's a cool idea and the yeah. little moving part that creates that flare is really ingenious but I just can't see what you'd use yeah, it for. It's clear he's solving some kind of a problem for himself, but what that problem is, I, I, I too would like to, to see what right. he does and, with it. And full disclosure, <laughs> I did not listen to the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> so okay. maybe he describes it, but you know, it's one of those, and it's one of those typical YouTube videos where this is kind of an older dude in his shop. Somebody said, Hey, you should film that, put it on YouTube. And, and he you said, know, okay, and he did. Stereotypes yep. exist for a reason, folks. This is just I'll kind do of that. It's not the, the most uh, stellar audio track, shall we say. So um, the fact in that a lot of ways, I actually admire that because <laughs> it's, it's exactly what I expect from a, you know, KG woodworker in a shop who got on camera. So, you know, the fact that it's uh, on a drill press I and, and there's a little extra action in there that you have to do to complete the actual joinery. I have a little bit of a flashback to the whole mortise and tenon and the drill press mortising uh, attachment discussion not so long ago and how much I really don't like that. It's not my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. So I'm having, I don't know, a little tangenty there, but I keep seeing that thinking, yep, that's another one of them examples. Yes, it is. All right. Well, cool. I, I can't wait to see what this turns out to, to, to do. Uh, yeah. Let's move into our kickback. Uh, you All guys right. well, you got your names there. I don't have any. Oh, come on. You don't, don't have one? I don't have any to read. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll read this first one. Shannon and I will cover for you, you, you slacker. You, go ahead. Go for it. All right. Well, this first one comes in from Kevin, and Kevin says, my wife is doing our taxes, and she noticed my monthly donations to Wood Talk. <laughs> she asked if Wood Talk is a registered nonprofit organization, such as a 503C. If so, can we please provide the city and state that you're registered in? Thank you. I'll let Mark yes. take care of that. He of, handles more of the business side of this uh, 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 show. Of course we are. That's a silly question. Um, yeah, just in case, you, I don't think you don't make any money. It's a nonprofit, right? Yes, that's right. Exactly. That's correct. Yes, we really don't make any money. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's kidding. I hope it's tongue in cheek. But obviously, we are not. We are not a charity. <laughs> we are not a nonprofit organization. We are strictly for profit. We just don't make any profits. Just don't That's make right. any. We're just really bad at it. Yeah. We, so we're, we are a wanna profit organization. Like, you have to do it with air quotes. We are a nonprofit organization <laughs> in that right. sense, right? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, Bradley sent this next one in. He says, I've been meaning to write it a couple of times, but I keep getting sidetracked. A few episodes ago, you talked about using salt as a way to keep boards from slipping. A friend of mine tried this, and it messed with the chemistry of the glue and really screwed things up. Whoa. I would be cautious before trying this method. 
Very nice. Interesting. Um, he also goes on to say that he enjoyed our recent section of Kids in the Woodshop because everybody seemed to enjoy that. Yes, they um, did. I probably should have a release of liability when I have the Cub Scouts over to cut their Pinewood Derby cars on the scroll saw. However, I do require the parents to be with the kids while they're in the shop and have a couple of trusted friends over also. Uh, seriously, I need one-to-one ratio to watch the kids. My kids help with glue-ups and pounding and pegs. I do not trust them with any power tools yet. They are two, four, and six. On a side note, the kid build and grow projects at big box stores are a good way to introduce kids to hammer and nails and following plans. It can be a comedy show to see the parents try to use the hammer and nails. That's <laughs> yeah. an interesting point. It's yeah. not just the kids who are learning. It's, it's mom the and dad parents are dangerous, time. more dangerous than the kids. Um, I actually took Mateo to a couple of those building things at like Lowe's and Home Depot. And it's, it's so simple. There's really not a whole lot to do. You literally are taking like two or three pieces and banging some very thin nails into place. So, you know, I was doing that with him since he was like two and a half, three years old. So hardest part is keeping the nails from bending while you bend, bend them in. The hardest part is keeping him in one place, uh, (laughs) more than five seconds to get the job done. Yeah, I agree with that. I took Aiden to one years and years ago. In fact, I think we built one of those periscope things. And then that's when the neighbors were like, Hey, uh, why are you guys hanging out at the fence so much? Right. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you looking at? Yeah, what are you looking at? It's there? our it's our backyard submarine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we're using this because it only took us eight hours to get through the project. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. The kickback and feedback on that kids episode and then the follow up episode was pretty good. I had a couple people who who agreed with me after you know for my issues that I had with our, uh, one of the kickback pieces we had received. Um, it's very interesting. People are very opinionated about it, but we we will probably not talk about this anymore. For, no. for a while yeah. we're done with the topic but we uh, appreciate everybody chiming in i just threw it in there because i was i wasn't in for that show so i had to, i had to throw in my two cents oh uh, that's right it was a, a matt and matt show yeah, yeah i i totally I, I had a lot to say about it but i kept it completely to myself that's so a, that's a good idea that's safer yeah. for you sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, all right let's move into our emails Got one here from Ben. He says, when clamping long lengths, say several three by one inch, four foot planks to make up a tabletop, how much of a gap caused by bent timber can you practically clamp out? All right. Well, I think it's a good question, but I think you have to ask yourself not so much how much can you clamp out, (laughs) but how much should you clamp out, right? Right. Yeah. Excuse me. (laughs) I'm going to really start getting people mad when I do that. I'm doing that too often (laughs) on the show. It's better than holding it in, though. That's right, because you'll explode, and it's not pretty, especially on an anniversary. Nope, all over my monitor. It makes you feel better. The dog just farted. That's good. (laughs) Good accompaniment. It was audible, too. You just probably didn't hear it. Yeah. Actually, I I did, too, but I put it on mute. (laughs) That was Matt, not the dog. Uh, So, yeah, that for me, it comes down to, yes, you can clamp down, and you can get lots of gaps of, of varying widths. Uh, you can get those clamped out. But the question is, should you? Because the end result is that pressure has to go somewhere, right? So if you clamp it in place, you let the glue dry and that joint sets up, uh, you sort of induced pressure into the joint. Now, you can do this intentionally for something like a sprung joint, right? Where you just give it a little bit and you have your reasons. I'll not get into the whole thing on sprung joints, but there's reasons to do it. I don't typically do that with my work. I like two flat edges just coming together with no pressure and it works just fine. So the question is how much can you afford to do? And I think it kind of really depends on the situation. If the gap is like due to a nice even curvature in the board and then you go to clamp it out, well, that's all you're really doing is a sprung joint there. 
mm-hmm. unless the cap goes the other way and you're, you're clamping at your two ends, which is generally speaking, not a great idea uh, to do that. So uh, since I don't really like to do sprung joints, I really don't want much of a gap at all. Um, I will tolerate maybe like a 16th of an inch. Mm-hmm. If there's more of a gap than that, then it means that I got to go back and rejoint those edges. The other thing is to know the nature of the gap. Like I said before, if it's a long, even curve, that's something that is at least a candidate for clamping out. But maybe you did some weirdness with your plane or your jointer and you've got actually like a divot in there. And now you're really clamping this thing home, trying to get that divot out, or maybe just the edge is not 90 degrees in that section. Uh, so, so maybe the rest of the edge is touching, but you've got this one section where it's off 90 and it appears and surfaces itself as a gap. So you're trying to clamp the heck out of it to get it out of there. Bottom line is the more you do that stuff, that pressure has to go somewhere and the shape has to go somewhere. So if you do manage to clamp it out, you've just essentially taken the gap and induced a curve on the outside edge. You know, right. so, so you have to be careful with how much of this stuff you do. My goal is to not have to do much at all. If I'm really clamping down and trying to really hammer it out, then I, I probably should go back and remill that edge to avoid inducing pressure and possibly creating more uh, non-straight lines on the outside edges of my table. I, well, I always like to think that if, if you have to put in so much pressure that you grunt really heavily yeah. to get those clamps, that's probably way too much. Yeah, no grunting, sure. no sweat, <laughs> no sweating. No, no. There's no sweating in woodworking. Shouldn't be. Especially in Arizona. He brings up, in his example, he says three by one by four foot planks. To me, four foot is not long enough to say, well, you clamp it up because of a bow. If you've got that much bow over a four foot length board, there's some more jointing work you need to do. You know, if you're talking like an eight foot length or something like that, you know, it's hard to get an eight foot board perfectly straight. Exactly. If you've got side bend. If it is, if it's all, if it's a bow, which technically a bow means along the length, like along the, the, how do you describe that? Side bend would be when it's bent across its length. When it's bowed, it's actually bent across the, the thickness dimension. Um, yeah. And that's not, that's pretty easy to clamp out. That's not inducing a lot of pressure. But if it's side bend, you've got a lot of tensile force that's wanting it to bend. And if it's over a four foot length, you might actually find some clamps would struggle clamping that out because four foot is not that long no uh, when it comes to gaps unless you're talking about you know 30 second of an inch gap um even then <laughs> over a four foot length it shouldn't be that hard to joint that out yeah and if he's talking about three by ones you're looking at a three inch width which works in your favor that's not very wide you can usually bend that pretty easily across the width but if you're mm-hmm. have you have a bunch of them together and your gap is somewhere in the middle you know good luck getting enough pressure clamping from the outside edge to close up that gap somewhere near the center. Uh, right. Cause that, that becomes additive and it's going to be very difficult to clamp across that width. Oh man. Yeah. You know, what's really bad is the whole time that Shanna kept saying side bent. I kept hearing Sir Mix-a-Lot's uh, big butts. <laughs> you could do side <laughs> bends or sit-ups, but don't you lose that. Yeah. Thanks, oh, Shannon. Oh, that's awesome. Good oh, stuff. Man. It just goes right there. All right. So you ready to move on to the next question? I got a great one here. Yeah. Shake that healthy butt. All right. I'm going to, Are you, can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Anyways, so uh, this question came in from Dustin. He says, hey, guys, we recently purchased our first home. Congratulations, Dustin. And I know I knew going in that the kitchen cabinets needed help. We want to paint, but first need to address the current finish. My father suggested to try a deglosser instead of sanding, but I have zero experience. Any thoughts on this method or possibly a better method? The cabinets are plywood with solid wood doors and shelves. 
Thanks a bunch. Okay, so it's kind of funny because uh, as I've been talking with you guys about this, we recently did our uh, our kitchen. In fact, Sam had the the cabinets painted, and everybody said, "How did you do it?" I said, "We hired somebody that t- mm-hmm. made the, that might be your third option in there, Dustin, is hire somebody else to do it." But we did originally play around with the idea of trying to uh, either use the deglosser and then paint it ourselves or do the sanding. And when I was watching the uh, professional painters, what they ended up doing was sanding it down. And I noticed that we got some really, really great results off of it. And they used just – in fact, I, I thought they went down to my shop and grabbed my sander <laughs> because it looked like the old beat-up one that I had and they were just going to town on them. Um, the only issue I had with that is just as a side note, uh, apparently they were holding it in position – way too long because there's a lot of swirl marks on one of the doors. Ah. So I think that's where the one guy, I'm pretty certain he had a liquid lunch uh, <laughs> before he came back. Uh, but the, the one thing that I, I think, if you're going to consider whether to do, use the deglosser or the sander, one thing with the deglosser, like any any type of stripper or any type of chemical thing, you're dealing with chemicals. So you're obviously going to have to set up a location to have those out of the way. So you've got you'll be dealing with fumes. You'll be dealing with ever you know probably have to have gloves, everything else. Put that on. Wait for it. Make sure you get all that taken care of. And then probably equally important is make sure that you remove all of that chemical off of it before you start painting because I'm certain it probably will have some sort of effect on it where if you just take the time and sand it and get it down to, you know, uh, not necessarily, well, probably bare wood because those guys took our cabinets down to bare wood. And Mm -hmm. I think usually if you get things back down to bare wood, you're going to get better adhesion from the finish. Um, I don't know what kind of uh, edges you have on there. So you might, if you were to go the sanding route, probably spend a little extra time working those profiles or something. But I think typically sanding might be a, a really, really good option. Um, either way, you know, you're going to have to deal with some sort of inconvenience, be it sawdust or fumes. But um, I don't know. Sanding just seems to be a little bit more predictable as far as I'm concerned. So sure. that's my, my, my suggestion. Sounds good. Or you can do like I did when we first bought our house in uh, Temecula. And the cabinets were just like this pickled, awful pickled oak. And we decided that painting them white would be smart. Mm-hmm. And I just painted them. Because <laughs> I was like, what do I know about paint? This was obviously mm-hmm. well pre-Wood Whisper days. But uh, uh, yeah, and it, uh, the paint did not hold up so well. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, all those years of like oil and stains and just grime that gets on these cabinets. It's like, yeah, your best bet is to just get rid of the finish if you can and get down the bare wood. So you close the cabinet door and suddenly a whole sheet of paint comes off. You're yeah, like, it just Whoa. comes off in sheets. Exactly. Oh, it's wow, like, wall, it's actually like wallpaper, but right. I just remember trying to clean the cabinets in my house and it started to smell like Kentucky fried chicken in there. <laughs> oh, I think the lady that owned the house before us did nothing but fry things. Nice. It was, it was nasty. That's not so bad though. I think I like that. Did you do Twinkies? No, it was bad. <laughs> oh, it's the bad kind of fried. Okay. Kentucky fried chicken at the end of the night. There basically. you go. Yeah. Oh. You use the same oil for like a month. Yeah, bad news. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, this uh, this next email comes in from Chris. He says, I have a question about socket chisels. Last year, I received a set of Stanley Sweetheart chisels. It's my second set of chisels, and I did not understand how socket chisels work. I ended up epoxying them in, but after time, they've come loose. Uh, I watched a YouTube video of Lee Nielsen showing a technique for using them and taping them in place before it's used, but it's kind of a pain. Um I have to admit, I'm not familiar with this video. I know um, Deneb has one from 
long time ago. Uh, well, five years ago. <laughs> it's not that long ago. In the internet, it's a long time ago. Um, that talks about how to seat them, but I don't know anything about taping them. Um, one of the things I like about socket chisels is they are so easy to interchange the handles. The fact that the handles do come out and you can swap in like a longer pairing handle. And if you've ever been in this situation where you're kind of working against the grain, you need to use a lot of slicing cuts, that long handle gives you this really great leverage on it. And it's, it's cool, but it doesn't have a lot of kind of practical use outside of that. So it's not like you want to keep those long handles on your chisels. Well, with a set of socket chisels, you can literally just tap the the handle on your bench, maybe a couple places and it comes loose and that's great. But (laughs) as the weather changes and as you move into like the winter months with the heater on and everything shrinks up, sometimes it can be difficult to keep your handles from not coming off. Um, and the best technique I've ever seen for that is actually something Christopher Schwartz showed years ago. Just use some hairspray. Cheaper the better. Go go get your Aquanet and <laughs> just spray it on the, the handle, the wooden handle itself. Let it tack for a couple of seconds, pop it in, bang it on the bench, and it will not move. Um, it sticks in there really, really firmly, but you could still pop that chisel out later, the handle out later if you wanted to do that and add in a pairing chisel. And I've never had problems uh, even when like I've been running the heat full blast because it's you know negative whatever outside. Uh, the hairspray holds that handle in nicely and there's no need to use any tape, but you do have to keep a, a can of um, some sort of cheap hairspray in the shop. So you might get raised eyebrows and strange questions from people who wander in your shop and see that can of Aquanet on the shelf. Yeah, especially or, if you keep it next to the pantyhose you use to, to look for grain direction. <laughs> right. Things could really get out of control quickly. And you could get some raised eyebrows yourself accidentally if you have the can turned around the wrong way. <laughs> but, you know, with That's a funny, lighter man. and that Aquanet, you can do a Shishoki technique. Uh, good stuff, man. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can keep us going for another nine years, maybe at least one more, maybe. Which is actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, but nine years on the internet is ancient. We're like the Mayans. People yeah, are just discovering us and are like, what it is really this is. weird civilization? Yeah, it's kind of like a few thousand years in internet time. Uh, yeah, but which yeah. basically means when wood talk goes off the air, it's the end of the world. That's right. It's true. Let's hope it never happens. Uh, but if you want to support us, you can. Just go to woodtalkshow.com, look in the side column, and you'll see some links for your donations. Make small recurring donations or a one-time donation. We really appreciate your support for that. Uh, you can buy a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com, or you can head to iTunes and leave us a review. Just click on uh, ratings and reviews on our Wood Talk page. And if you can, give us a five-star rating. Uh, nothing new from the last time, so I don't have any to read. But if you do leave one, there's a good chance we'll read it on the show. And Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, question, topic, suggestion? Are you also wondering if we're a for-profit or wannabe profit organization? There's several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our Wood Talk, our username is Wood Talk Online. Our Wood Talk name is Wood Talk Online. Wow, that's up with that. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. Uh, <laughs> our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. You can use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact or leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Hey, and one more thing, folks. Don't forget, if you want to check us out at our individual sites, that's woodwhisper.com 
renaissancewoodworker.com and mattsbasementworkshop.com where you're going to find so much amazing stuff or some really great material when insomnia is just kicking your butt. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Happy birthday to us. Yay. Yay. That's all sweet. Hooray.